You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Yo! What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023, and I'm your old pal, Joey O'Brien. And I'm Troy, 15 days till Gen Con La Valley. Count it down, brother. And you know what's the best part is? We're ready. I'm not going to make it. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to survive. I, uh, I'm, in, I'm in rough shape, dude. I, uh, I was lamenting to you uh, pre-stream that uh, we are sleep training Evie right now uh, while uh, Dash and Archer just just having some trouble sleeping as well they don't take after their dad so they're waking up constantly so it is this uh this this nightly occurrence that has been going on now i mean the sleep training just started uh last week but like every week my my wife and i every night we go to bed i can't even talk straight every night we go to bed we are up like every 45 minutes and then we come back and we try to go back to sleep then we're up again it's just it it is is like literally worse than the infant stage where you're just like up feed up feed up feed because now we've got three of them and so I feel like a fucking crazy person at all times and then I just look at like Gen Con work San Diego Comic Con Glass Cannon podcast time for chaos get in the tr- I'm just like ah, ah, all day long <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is incredibly incredibly unhealthy to to not get your sleep so figure it out man figure it out. You know, and I never was one where I was like, got to get my, got to get my eight hours. I was like, five hours, I'm fine. But, uh, over the past like six to eight months, I've been looking for like all little like biohacks that can help because we just have a lot going on. And, and like the easiest one is like, make sure you get your sleep. Eight hours to me just seems crazy, but like, make sure you get your sleep. Watch everything that you eat. Did that, did boop, boop, boop. Makes um, everything better. Makes yeah. everything better. So at, the, um, um, at this point, I'm just going to bed at 10 and hoping that by six or five, three or four hours of sleep happened. And, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not going. It's not working this. out so far. Do you go to sleep? Not when we're on the road and we've had 800, uh, vodka sodas, but like at home when you're only having 400 vodka sodas, <laughs> do you go to bed and then like, sleep through the night and wake up or you just because does anyone do that or you just can't you're up every once in a while and you take a piss or you just like you're like ah, i'm awake now i'm just gonna go back to sleep yeah, i get up every once in a while and take a piss i mean i am uh i'm in my 40s i'm a man in my 40s <laughs> so my prostate is growing steadily and uh it just it happens you don't i mean i can't remember the last time i went to sleep and woke up to like a 7 a.m alarm like that doesn't really happen but i think um, some people experience that and i I want to talk healthy to people, healthy people. Is it just healthy? Yes. Not even piss related. Just like, ah, ah, I'm awake. And then you go back to sleep. Caught, like, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've been at like beyond exhaustion. And My I just understanding is that it is an entire lifestyle. Like it is entire. You have to have a certain lifestyle that you work towards in order to sleep soundly eight hours a night. And it has a lot to do with your eating habits and your drinking habits. Uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to really monitor what you're taking taking into your body after like seven o'clock PM. And that is really going to do, you know, great things for you to get a whole night's sleep. Now, as far as anxiety and stuff like that goes, I don't know how, 
how people deal with that and sleep with that and wake up to, you know, I mean, like you just seem like a constant sufferer of anxiety and that might be why you wake up a lot beyond your kids waking you up. But maybe, maybe. I yeah. think that it's purely like physiological food and drink. That's what I always think. I'm like, I need but to I've not on, eat after a seven yeah. o'clock, not have any drinks ever, not have any fun or smile ever. And then like you'll <laughs> sleep through the night. But I mean, I've been on top of that. I've been really like uh, just eating super, super clean. I don't eat anything with fucking additives except unless it's like a special day. And I thought that would make a big change. Lift away, do everything. Nothing makes a difference. Just this brain. Well, you got the three kids. I mean, you haven't tested it without three kids. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Take it out for a spin after that. Let's get into the FOD today. Let's get into the FOD. We have, dude, we have so much to discuss. We got Comic-Con this week. We got uh, fun lab stuff coming up. We got a new Friends of the Pod dropping. We've got Getting the Trunk premiered. Uh, We've got SideQuest side sessions off and rolling. And yeah, we're going to talk a little, uh, ironically enough, we're going to talk about sleep. In We Are Stupid. So I'm looking forward to that. That uh, that worked out well. Nice job, Professor Eric. Uh, so big week this week. We head out to San Diego Comic-Con for the first time ever. And that is after our character creation session last week. We hope you guys saw it. We did the Marvel Multi- Multiverse RPG character creation uh, system. What were some of your takeaways, Troy, from the, uh, you know, from mechanics to the actual stories and how they worked out? What did you think about the character creation sesh? I mean, dude, it brought me back to playing the the Marvel uh, superheroes role playing game when I was a kid, because we in, in the in the X amount of hours that I played that game. We spent uh, 75% of it just making up our own superheroes. I don't, we barely did like in adventures. We maybe would do encounters, like we would build the superhero and then be like, all right, he's going up against uh, Thanos and then just immediately die and build another one. Uh, so I always say character creation is the best part and uh, this sort of solidified it. But man, it was fun uh, seeing everybody not only like start to come to grips with the system, but choose their how they would develop this character because a lot of you guys came in with nothing and that's really what i wanted you to do and so having you discover the system let you decide if you wanted to go outside in or inside out have your concept that was starting to develop fit the mechanics that were available for to you or as you're starting to discover the mechanics be like oh maybe he's a this kind of guy or this kind of woman and so it's just it was really cool to kind of just throw that stuff out there and then sit back and watch you guys be geniuses I really loved the way that it came together. I was, I was definitely nervous because I went in with nothing and the, uh, but to come out of it at the end with the keepers, as we're calling ourselves at the moment, it was just so fun to like, once everybody's code names were revealed and yeah. you just like, we rattled off. The six members of this team, the superhero team, I was like, I'm so fired up. Like, I just got, I got completely sucked in by the game and the system. And I, so I was talking to CJ over at Marvel, who has been my contact through this whole thing. And the Marvel people were watching it and they loved it and, and, uh, were super thankful for them, uh, to them for sharing the game with us and, and helping sponsor Gen Con and everything. They were like, they were like, I, I was talking to him and I said, 
the way that the power system works, I, I absolutely love because basically, if you're a Pathfinder player, <laughs> what this does is it gives you an opportunity at character creation when you're quote unquote like level one. <laughs> it gives you the operation to the uh, option to basically just take twelve feats. Yep, <laughs> that's essentially what it is, and it's it's so much fun because you've got feet trees and you've got things that build in other things, and really what they mostly are are really fun abilities that set you apart from your allies and some of them are combat some of them clearly are non-combat and some of them can be used in both in really effective ways whether that's you know moving silently or or actually use you know using certain movements in a fight so i i loved it i was i was so excited in fact i'm still working on it i'm still like making tweaks and because these kind of things I'll get analysis paralysis down to the last minute. I'll be on the plane to San Diego still like swapping out uh, powers because <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I took a bit of a, I guess you could say outside in sort of thing where I didn't have a concept and I started with the mechanics, then back built a concept. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And now you're telling me we might get art. Is this, is this going to happen? Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to, as I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm like, <sighs> Are we going to have a video screen? You're like, yeah. I'm like, well, then I've got to have art commissioned. <laughs> uh, so I found a member of the nation who's done art for us before who did some art of the uh, the Marvel superheroes team that we did on New Game Who Dis. I remember seeing that and loving it. Um, so he's going to bang out some portraits uh, that we will debut at Comic-Con, which just sounds crazy. They were fucking going to Comic-Con to play, to debut the Marvel game. Uh, I know. It's, it's amazing. I'll tell you, like, it's so, it brings me so much pure childlike joy to say <laughs> that the, the, the Marvel Multiverse RPG did this for me. This is what it did for me. It allowed me to go to my first ever San Diego Comic-Con. And I'm going to reveal a superhero I made up. Like, I mean, <laughs> does it get better than that? Like, with artwork and gameplay and a narrative and everything, like, for the first time in front of a live audience. It's just, I mean, of course, like, um, I'm, I'm, my nerves are frayed. I'm so nervous. But, like, it's such an exciting thing to be a part of. And I feel very, very lucky. So, that it's just, it's just so cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. we got a lot to, to, to discuss. So, we'll, we'll uh, I mean, next Cannon Fodder, we'll know how it all went down. <laughs> Next yeah, week, we'll already it's, be back from Comic-Con. So, well, let me ask wild. you, is there anything that you're looking forward to doing besides our show at Comic-Con? Like, is there is there something you're like, oh, man, or, 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 or anything in San Diego as well? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I love San Diego. I love the Gaslamp District. And I didn't realize until Alicia said it. I was like, oh, my God, the Gaslamp. I forgot all about that. Like, all those great bars and restaurants. So, I want some tacos. I want some fucking Margs. Like, there's no tomorrow. <laughs> so, I'm excited about that, obviously. Um, but for the con itself, you know I love walking the showroom floor. And it's my understanding. It's like a showroom floor, unlike any other like celebrities couldn't care less any of that stuff like signings don't care like i just want to see booths uh you know i obviously as my interest in sports cards i want to see if there's any sort of sports card presence there but i'm excited to just kind of take in the con uh enjoy some phenomenal mexican food and margies you know my wife and i we got engaged on a trip to uh la and we go on uh, we were in santa monica when i proposed and then the next day we went to san diego for like 24 hours um just to check out san diego and i'd been there once or twice before maybe only once before actually to go to a padres game when i was living in la and uh we i remember going to this 
fucking five star phenomenal Mexican joint. So I want to try and track that down. And, uh, you know, there's great breweries out there. Ballast Point has a location there. So I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the whole thing. Usually I go, I have dread. I'm like, ah, I'm leaving my kids. And, and I'm like, I'm nervous about, I've got to like learn this adventure and learn a brand new system, but I'm really trying to like let that all go and, and, and just enjoy the moment. So it'll, it'll be a good time. Um, let's talk about glass cannon labs. We have sort of <laughs> not repurposed labs because labs has always just been about chilling and hanging out. But this month labs has essentially become prep for Gen Con because yeah. it were like, let's kill two birds with one stone. And so last week we created Marvel characters next week. So there is no labs this week because we're flying out to San Diego. That's more flying out to San Diego. Yep. So sorry, no labs tomorrow, but next week, Labs is going to return with me at the helm because we're going to be doing Dragon Bane character creation. So Dragon Bane, for those that don't know, is the new, uh, uh, not a new game, but in uh, the updated game from Free League of uh, one of the most iconic um, uh, Norwegian, Swedish, I can't remember which one it is, uh, Scandinavian, let's say, role-playing games of uh, of the 80s, I want to say, 70s, 80s. So I don't know a whole lot about the history of it, but I do know that it has long time been a a passion project of uh, Tomas, who's the head of Free League and uh, the lead creator, and they have created, uh, recreated Dragon Bane. And so it's a classic uh, RPG fantasy, high fantasy RPG that I'm really looking forward to uh, playing with you guys. You're going to play, right? Are you playing? No, I'm not playing Dragon Bane. You're not playing Dragon Bane. Uh, I can tell you uh, the, oh, cast. Who's the cast. Um, let me just look at my list here. It is uh, who the hell's Joe? Oh, that's you, uh, Joe. <laughs> it's going to be, be running it. Skid, Jason Charles Miller, Josephine McAdam, and Paula Deming. That's right. Oh God, what a great, what a combo. great cast! That's Dude, a great I just cast. finished casting for Gen Con. I just finished like five minutes before this call. It has been a nightmare. I mean, I feel like beautiful mind, just like move this person to here. Are you available this time? But it's done, and uh, I'm really excited about the cast that we have. I just like because it's not even based on availability. It's like what is going to be the best group for this game and this host. And I mean, man, you've got a stellar fucking group for this. Yeah, stellar group, and I think it's going to be a really, really cool game so I, I urge everybody to check it out next week uh dragon bane character creation is going to be happening and then that's because we're going to play those characters in the booth together at gen con so really really looking forward to that and thank you to free league for uh stepping up and also sponsoring the uh the glass cannon gen con booth before i get into get in the trunk i want to talk about the premiere of get in the trunk with you yeah go ahead but you were talking about labs a little bit and it's important like you said labs change but how what a cool way to change because like it it's just become like a proper lab like we're gonna play that game at gen con let's use labs to start preparing for it so like labs is kind of a great catch-all for not only trying new games but using it as a testing ground for stuff that we're going to do in a more high profile setting arguably yeah well essentially what it is i mean it doesn't have one definition labs but it this these are things that needed to happen anyway and like we needed to create characters before we did this Gen Con game of Dragon Bane anyway. And we most likely would not get everybody on one call to talk this all out. It would happen over email and stuff like that. And it just wouldn't be as fun or as effective. Right. So, and people would take their, take a lot of time. They'd make decisions. Then they'd find out that other people did the same thing and it would be, you know, kind of confusing. How about we ask these folks to just take two hours out of their day 
And in two hours, you just get get on a call and we bang it out together and everybody feels heard and like they've carved out their piece of this party for the for the character. And why not just air that in front of the nation? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just worked perfectly um, for me. I, I really was excited at this idea of using labs for the character creation for Gen Con because we got to do it anyway. And we might as well uh, do it along with the nation. It's also yeah. great seeing people's comments live. It was awesome. Like having people in chat throwing out uh, code names for heroes, yeah, like, yeah. you know, suggestions and, and uh, name suggestions for the team, for the superhero team. And it was very, very fun. I mean, awesome. and that's what labs is supposed to be. It's kind of like we have a double A, a, a triple a and the majors like our double a team is our uh is glass cannon labs uh triple a is friends of the pod and then the majors is like green lit to series yeah it's it's awesome speaking of which friends of the pod uh, i'm gonna get to get in the trunk in a second but we got a new friends of the pod coming you yes. and i mentioned mentioned this as a tease months ago on Canafotter. i don't know if anybody even remembers but uh we actually pre-recorded a few months ago a friends of the pod with our friends at Chaosium and particularly Brian Holland, who appeared in the Gen Con booth last year. He ran us through a bunch of demos of some really, really fun games uh, that Chaosium puts out besides Call of Cthulhu. One of those games that they uh, published that we did play in New Game Who Dis is RuneQuest. And RuneQuest just an amazing system returns through friends of the pod. And this is a proper friends of the pod. This yeah. is a full, like, this is a triple a fully pre-produced three full episodes. You're going to get of friends of the pod rune quest. And it's going to start this coming Monday night, September 24th at 8 PM Eastern on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the glass cannon. You're going to see character creation, which is phenomenal in oh my God, We have it's, so much fun with it. It is so much fun. We actually trim it down. Spoiler alert. We trim it down. For those that are used to real character creation in RuneQuest, we trim it down. But in real RuneQuest character creation, you begin with your grandparents. You yeah. create your grandparents and then on down through the years. It's amazing how the mechanics, how they work. And so uh, we just trim that a little bit and, and uh, so that we can fit it within two hours. But it's so much fun. And then we do a two-part adventure with Brian Holland running it. You playing it. I playing it. And then uh, Josephine McAdam and Nora Ibrahim. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. So please come check it out on twitch.tv slash the glass cannon on Monday night. Uh, if you've never heard of RuneQuest, you don't know how it works. This is the perfect opportunity to tune in and really start to learn the system. And we got another friends of the pod next week. We have two friends of the pods next week. So many friends, dude, there's actually going to be a stream every single night ne next week. There's going to be Monday is going to be friends of the pod. Tuesday is getting the trunk. Wednesday is haunted city. Thursday is side quest side sesh. Friday is going to be another friends of the pod, another character creation session for this game. When I was at PAX unplugged, I was walking around. I think it was Saturday morning and, uh, we had a show that night. I was like, I want to do the con for a little bit, clear my head. I'm walking around and I see this booth for a game called Vast Grim, which is kind of a, it's 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 in the vein of these OSR, Merkborg, uh, Merkbori type games. Uh, and it's basically grim, dark set in uh, space. Uh, and so I had heard of it because at Gen Con, Todd Stashwick was like, hey, I got this cool, I pre-ordered this game called Vast Grim and I saw like hard copies of it. I was like, yo, I got to buy one of those. And I started talking to the guy. I'm like, I don't know if you know the Glass Cannon Network. And he's like, oh my God, I know the Glass Cannon Network. And I'm like, you're full of shit. Uh, but he actually did know us. And he's like, here, <laughs> take salesman. the dice. Take all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're launching a new show called Glass Cannon Labs. So maybe we can play. We'll see. Uh, I didn't realize that I'd very soon run out of time to play games. But 
as we were building the the Gen Con booth, I'm like, I wonder if Fast Grim would want to do something. They were like, absolutely, we'd love to do it. Why don't we do two things? We'll do Friends of the Pod as well. So we're going to do a Friends of the Pod character creation session for Vast Grim that will air next Friday night. And then they're going to play a scenario with those characters, just like Dragon Bane, like you're doing on Labs, uh, in the booth at Gen Con. So that'll be very exciting. Uh, it's Jared with an all-woman cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Kate, Sydney. Nora and Paula, right? That's right. Kate, Sydney, Nora, and Paula. So, God, we got so much going on, dude. I dude, I love, I, I love, I'm having so much fun with these combos of the casts, you know, because right? like uh, every one of these these days are like all people we've at least played with once before or twice, you know, and in some cases, dozens and dozens of times. And now they're all mixing and matching. And it's just, it's just so much fun. So, uh, yeah, I mean, w- next week will be. Well, it'll be two weeks before we'll have our big, you know, pre-Gen Con fodder. But, you know, I'm just going to geek out so much about what that week's of content is going to be like and just seeing all these different casts mixing and matching and having fun together. It's it's going to be great. Let's talk about getting the trunk. Getting the trunk premiered yes. last week. Last FOD, I couldn't really get into it because it had just aired the night before and I didn't want to, like, spoil anything. So minor spoilers ahead for those of you that do not want to hear anything about season five uh, of getting the trunk. But uh, and when I'm not going to talk about last night's episode because that just aired. So let's just talk about the season five, episode one premiere, the three hour beast of a that feels essentially like a fallout and downtime <laughs> of uh, of the night floors. What what, if anything, I just want to talk to you as a player now for a second. What, if anything, did you expect going into that session? Uh, were you surprised? Uh, talk to me about your reactions post uh, premiere of season one so or I season kn- or episode one. I, I knew there was going to be a time jump. I, you'd kind of like maybe let's, let slip or like it prepped us in some way. Like just so you know, it's going to take place in a different time, but I didn't know what that gap was going to be. And I also didn't know that it was going to happen in segments with like different, uh, of, you know, portions of this person's life. And so once that started to become clear to me, I was like, okay, storyteller hat goes on. How do we really paint? a picture uh that has all the highs and all the lows how do you how do you turn on a dime and then do it all while improving and uh just coming up with it on the fly because i wanted to come in with ideas but i also wanted to like really listen and react to what other people were doing and obviously sydney and i vicky and roger have their own thing that's going on as it's connected so i wanted to collaborate with her and we have such a great uh, rapport now from playing so much together that we can, we trust each other so much to be like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? What about this? And go back and forth. So that was a lot of fun. But, uh, I watched it back. I was sitting in there. I, I didn't chat because I'm logged in as Glass Cannon. And so I, the mod, you know, I think Mick D is on that. And so I'm like, I don't chat as Glass Cannon. I don't even know if I have a, a Troy LaValley Twitch, but I watched the whole fucking thing, uh, just because I love seeing people's reactions and I just forgot about so many things. I forgot about like, you guys' reactions to certain things and things that we came up with in the moment, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, really, yeah, people are I mean, so I- juiced to have this show back. It's such a tentpole of the network. Yeah, it's and it's such a great time to play. And I, I, I mean, I remember, th- I mean, I remember thinking I had a plan, and I was shocked by what you and Sydney did in that episode. I was just like completely turned around. I'm like, how am I supposed to prepare this adventure now? I mean, now you guys have so much baggage going in to the adventure that it's just like 
how is this going to possibly play out well, you know, within, right. within the group, it's going to be like straight up PVP. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really fun, but th- that's, what's cool. Like, you know, you say, you say PVP, but it, it's really just you and Sydney, uh, really working well together. And that's, that's exciting. And that's awesome. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see, curious to see where it goes. Um, yeah, man. Let's talk, uh, well, let's just talk Gen Con briefly because there really is some, uh, a few of our shows are sold out. A few are very close to selling out. So can you just remind people really quick, uh, what's still available if they want to grab tickets to see us live, uh, while we're in Indy? All right. So obviously we've got the booth. The booth is its own thing. You can come by the booth. We're going to release that schedule. Hopefully next week, we're going to start trickling that schedule out. Uh, so you'll get to see what's happening at the booth and what time. And if there's somebody you want to see, come by the booth and uh, you can uh, wave to us while we're playing or hang around afterwards to say hello. You know, I don't know right now if we're going to have set times for like meet and greets. I, ha- I haven't got that far in my plans. You know, my initial conception of a larger booth this year had us doing a lot more fan interaction. But but, I mean, you just got a meeting schedule from Tristan. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to be able to uh, even wave to anyone because um, this is a big big business weekend for us. But anyways, the point is, if there's someone you want to see, please come by the booth. You watch it. We have it on the, the TV as well, so you can watch it in real time. It's, very, it's, it's a lot of fun. And we're going to be releasing a bunch of new merch as well. We'll talk more Gen Con next week. In answer to your actual question, we've got Glass Cannon Live. That's happening Thursday night. Sold out at Helium Comedy Club. You're going to have to get tickets on the black market. Uh, and <laughs> then, uh, why am I thinking a lot, a lot when I can just look at my fucking schedule? And then we've got uh, Friday. There is Modern Call of Cthulhu that is happening at the con. That is 1 p.m. Uh, at the con that is sold out uh, but it's my understanding that is going to be streamed on the gen con twitch so you can watch that one uh, and then later that night friday night we have call of cthulhu live which is going to be something it's just a fucking event you're going to wish you were there because if we ever do it again, you'll be able to say you were there first. There are still tickets left for that. There are 11 premium seats left if you want to sit like super close to the stage, but there's still a ton of just like general admission. Those general admission ones are only $15. Please come to this show. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't. Maybe we'll sell it out. We got a couple weeks left, but like that was meant to be a big theater with cheap tickets just to put a ton of asses in the seats. We've already got a ton of asses coming and we've got a poster. So many asses. So many asses. Angeline made a poster just for that show that is absolutely outstanding. And, and you'll only be able to get it at that show. I think maybe if I have some leftovers, we'll bring them by the Gen Con booth. Uh, and then Saturday we have busted mufflers. Am I already, already on to Saturday? Saturday is busted mufflers which is at 5.30, I believe. And there are still tickets left for that as well. And that one is, to my understanding, not going to be streamed. So that Busted Muffler show will only live in that room if you see it live. Uh, I believe it's at the Westin. Tickets are $14 to that. So uh, come on out. And then Jared Logan is doing a uh, stand-up performance, which I think is like right before our Friday show, and that's sold out as well. So if you want tickets to events... Uh, it's got to be Call of Cthulhu live Friday night at the Athenium Theater, which is, you know, a, a, a long walk or an Uber ride away from the con. And then, uh, Busted Mufflers at the con on Saturday early evening. Uh, still some tickets left for that. And then we already announced fucking we're coming to Boston in September. We're coming to Chicago and St. Louis for the first time. St. Louis in October. Tickets are already on sale for all of those. Uh, 
I just went browsing around yesterday because I was trying yeah. to, uh, my wife was like, can you please update our schedule with all of your flight numbers through the summer so that I have mama? Sure. And I was doing all that. And I was like, let me check in on, on, uh, uh, Chicago dirt cheap right now, buddy. Dirt cheap. Bought, Yo. already bought my flight to Chicago. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, We're my gonna... flight to Chicago is literally like $115. So wow. it's not round trip, obviously. That's one that's way. That's the beauty but about flying to Chicago. And that's a Thursday night show in Chicago. So uh... so yeah, it's a Wednesday flight. So it's nice and cheap. It was awesome. But you didn't get the flight home from St. Louis. Because it was $1,000. <laughs> because it's Sunday. They don't want anybody enjoying the pleasure of flying home on Sunday uh, of... Halloween weekend. That's essentially what it is. It's like Halloween weekend. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're getting you. But whatever. Well, we'll yeah. take it as it comes. I, Too bad I the Rams weren't it. still there. We could like catch a Rams game and just come home on Monday. Uh, <laughs> but there's no there's no team. Uh, there's no football team, right? No and, football but, team. You know, uh, we'll probably. Well, Maybe I'm, the Cardinals will be in the World Series or in the, uh, in don't, the don't be NLCS. Foolish. That'll be foolish. Uh, <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. I, dude, I can't wait to get back to Chicago. Little Pequods. Little, little Pequods. Brusconis. Dude, it's great. Me, you, Matthew, Skid jammed into that booth. I remember us getting Pequods and a, and a pitcher. I think, no, no, no. It was just the four of us, I think, right? I, I don't know. I'm blanky. I feel like somebody. Anyway, it was a big uh, stack of pizza and a pitcher of beer. I mean, just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some SideQuest Side Sesh. Um, I didn't think before. we'd ever get to it. I know. I know. I want to talk SideQuest Side Sesh because I'm, I'm having so much fun. Uh, also, a very exciting announcement coming up about another new show that's recording, <laughs> but I uh, will air soon. Uh, God, I can't believe I, 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 I want to get all this stuff in. But yeah, we, we greenlighted a season two we talked about a little bit ago, and that's recording. We'll talk about that in a second. But SideQuest Side Sesh. That's has the been name an absolute blast. And uh, we talked about it a little bit in studio last week, which was really fun. It was great doing FOD in studio, by the way. Are we going to yeah. do that more? Or is that like, uh, are we going to stay at home? Uh, I, you and I were talking about this right before we went live, but I want I want to reveal some of that convo to the nation live. So where we're at right now is when um, Glass Cannon Podcast Campaign 2 launches, Cannon Fodder will also have a video component uh, in addition to audio because... Why not? Um, and I think that it would be irresponsible to say that we could always do that in studio because you and I are not going to drive, uh, three hours round trip, uh, to record fodder. However, on instances when we happen to be in there and we can bang out those fodders, we'll absolutely do some in studio, some remote. Um, it's so fun to do that. It was so great doing it in studio last week. It was awesome yeah yeah a lot of fun i mean for us we did it as a test it's like now francis is going and, and making a cut that'll never see the light of the day light of day that i can watch uh on the flight to san diego and see like okay oh you know what that camera we got to move that slightly or like see that cut there it's just good practice for us um but it'll be <laughs> I fun could already to- i could already tell you something <laughs> i'll share this with the dish this in a little internal john which was great um one thing that you're going to think is really funny is in the video, in the cut of the video, when it starts, and I'm like, yeah, what's going on, everybody? It's just you. It's just your face. Oh, because I the camera because was on Francis me. didn't know, like, what fodder was or that I would start, <laughs> like, the show off. Because you start off everything in all the testing we've done. So the camera was just sitting on you, and then I start, and a couple beats later, it just moves over to me. <laughs> well, you know, really that's funny. just in the live cut, because the way we've got... How many cameras in there? Six or eight cameras? Six. Six, six, maybe seven. I can't remember. But 
all of that stuff is recorded. So all those cameras are running. Francis is just live switching sure, to make sure, his sure, life yeah, easier. Yeah. So like we have the shot of you. Um, but that's funny. Yeah. The raw, the raw cut would have it starting on me just sitting there reading. Uh, just, yeah. Looking at me being like, why are you so loud? Checking up on the socks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, SideQuest Side Sesh is uh, episode five airs. A breath of fresh air. Drops huh? this week. Oh, it's just so much fun. So laid back. Uh, we're actually recording it today. We're recording some more today. Looking forward to that. Episode five is largely a... Uh, role playing app. So we don't really have We Are Stupid from uh, episode five this week. But like I said, Professor Eric wrote in about our conversations about the sleep spell. So we are going to talk about that for a minute in We Are Stupid. But episode five is really about getting to this hidden city, which I think is just such an awesome and fun sort of setting. A hidden city in the jungle. Sign me up. It is, it's a very tropish sort of adventure type thing that I'm always, always down for. This has got to be intimidating, though, from uh, the GM seat, because your characters are essentially entering a hidden, quote unquote, alien city, a city where nothing is sort of what they can expect. And all of the characters are strange and different. And there's a mystery to be solved. And they want to start talking to people right away. Talk to me about your prep process for like, how many people did you prepare to like, talk to or about you know how many npcs did you have ready uh how did you decide to disseminate information through you know uh, just walking raw into a city when i say i prepared nothing for the cocktail party i am not even slightly exaggerating dude i didn't i didn't a hundred percent all i have uh in my notes for that is like as you're talking to people you didn't prepare jimmy no, I didn't forget Jimmy. All, uh, Timmy, Tim, Mon- Montgomery Pip. Uh, Montgomery yeah, Pip. Dude, yeah, that was all. And I, I don't know why. Usually I do more preparation for that, but I'm, I'm experimenting with some stuff. This is all like fucking training right now for, it's practice, for Gatewalkers. It's reps, yeah. And so I'm going through a lot. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that maybe I'll talk about at some point. It's just like different things that I'm practicing to like do. It's just like doing lifting at the gym. I'm like, let me try this. Let me try over prepare this, under prepare this. But all I have in my notes is like, you know, as if people ask questions about something, foster if people ask questions about this here are possible responses so i have that and i'm trying to work that in but i didn't well, know how you, you guys were that, when you write that, i'm just curious i want people to get a glimpse into your notes like when you write that do you write responses as dialogue like do you write like a sentence as someone would say it or do you write like the basic idea or or the gist of what they would would get to I do both. In this instance, all I did was copy and paste 
what Paizo had in the uh, scenario so that I have so that. So they had dialogue, I would assume? It's that, not even, no, it's not dialogue. It's not written as dialogue. summaries? Sometimes I'll take it when, when something is just given as information, I will rewrite it as dialogue so I have that dialogue ready and then either use it or extrapolate upon it. Um, in this instance, I just had what they had and I wanted to see what you guys were going to do. And as you were getting to the party, like, it's funny, sometimes I prepare these things and, you know, I read it once, I read it twice, I, I prepare it again and then you guys start getting into it and I can see that like a couple things happen. My original vision of how things look changes as we're getting into it. I'm like, oh, you know what? I read this wrong. It's not quite like that. Or you guys start to envision it in a way that's different than either how I envisioned it or how it's pictured. And I just kind of follow your lead and change it on the, on the fly. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Something as simple as like, uh, this being a party, like a garden party and, and the, the rooms being off to the side. Like I may have had one way of doing it uh, or, or picturing it, but I start to realize, you know, it's actually a little different from how I conceived it now that I'm reading it again for the third or fourth time while we're doing it live. But then you guys might say something and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And so I'll just go along with it. And so you mean like you'll change the setting slightly yeah. based on what the players say. Uh, because what you see, they're seeing in their mind. Yeah. Right. And then sometimes it's just so vague, vaguely written. It's meant to be like, oh, whatever you want to do. But I yeah, don't want to. That's, I, that's a really good, that's a really good note. I think you setting is something that a lot of GMs have a tendency to constantly recorrect their players on. Sometimes it's like, just sit back and let the setting change to something you, you see the players all seeing. And just let the world mold into what's in their mind for the moment. You don't have to constantly reshape things to what you were saying, unless it is vital to the story. You could just, you can really change a lot of that stuff. Exactly. And what you're doing is you're letting the player's imagination drive the boat. And anytime you can do that, it really starts to, um, it does a few things. It starts to make the story much richer because now there's several people collaborating on the narrative and not just one person driving the ship, but also like it starts to activate other people's imaginations as well. And they start contributing and then you, you're just going to create a much richer tapestry. And that's kind of what happened a little bit here. And then that happens in the role play as well. You're like, I kind of want to talk to these people. Let me talk to somebody. And it's like, all right, there's a, a shark faced guy. And, uh, you know, it just, it kind of took over from there and i forgot how funny it was until i rewatched. i was like oh my god is, is it a problem with the vault <laughs> <laughs> it's just so dumb but uh we're, we're having a lot of a lot of fun with it and it's been a great great prep great prep for the stuff that's coming up um it's just nice to play loose again too we tend to play tight even live shows live shows get a bit lo- looser we're on the road those those are those have their own energy but we, we play tight a lot and that's probably the energy that I give off because I'm so like I could be constricting. You in, want it to uh, be perfect. Yeah, that's that's that, that <laughs> search for perfection. But like when you can loosen up, it's a fine line. But it's it's again just great practice getting back into the skin of side quest side session. A new show, uh, a new season has begun recording this week. A show that uh, was greenlit for a season two, a show that people uh, have discussed a lot in the nation of wanting to come back that they thoroughly enjoyed, that I personally thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, I'm very happy to say that this past Monday, the crew got together and Voyagers of the Jump season two, episode one. 
is in the can. They are underway. Yep. They're underway. Yep. So, uh, yeah. I can't say anything else. Can't say anything else. <laughs> can't say anything else. Uh, I will say a big thank you to Mongoose Publishing for helping make that happen uh, as sponsors of the show. But, man, just so awesome to uh, to see that on the schedule. And uh, and word on the street is that it was amazing. So that that's uh, yeah. that's that's the report I got from our producer on the show, and uh, I'm very excited to to listen to it slash see it live with you guys. I won't see it ahead of time. Yeah, I'll the, see it when it airs. So the, the cast is to back. It. The original cast is back, and uh, Matthew has told me the story. Um, I wasn't totally paying attention because if people talk for more than a minute, I just start. I go someplace else. But that first you minute, catch up on some sleep, right? <laughs> Yeah, that first minute sounded really good. Um, going back to SideQuest Side Fish, I wanted to – this might be an interesting topic. I went back because I, I remember we were talking last week and it was just – there was a lot going on because we had 19 people in the studio. But you had talked about uh, Hungry Flurry or whatever it was, how they had to be at a different target. And I was like, I don't remember that. And then I Googled something. I don't know if it was Archives of Nethys or some other bestiary. And it was like, this one says – doesn't say it and this one does. Well, I went back and looked on Foundry. And sure enough, it did say single target. So Eric was was right to correct me. But here's what's interesting. Like, I want to play by the book, obviously. I missed that in the throes of getting used to Foundry and like just didn't, didn't read that. But I wonder like, I have this problem sometimes where I see something and I'm like, ah, but only I can do that. Like the players can't, you know what I mean? Like sometimes, especially if a combat is like easy, I may see a restriction that I'm just like, ah, I don't want to do it. And then if nobody calls me on it, it's fine. Uh, or other times I notice it too late. Like I may notice that it's a single target and just let it go. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, that's this is one of the reasons why I can't run, wait to run uh, our own campaign because then there's nobody sitting back and be like, actually, that monster doesn't do that. I'd be like, well, my version of the monster does. But like, how do you feel like about that as a GM, especially in more restrictive games or, or self-restrictive games like Pathfinder, where what if you just be like, I don't care that it says that? I think that you and I both uh, believe in the rules. We yeah. think that the rules are there for a reason. And I think that it's hard as a GM to cherry pick what the players are restricted by and you're not restricted by. I don't have any problem with changing rules that are changed for both of us. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but you, you know, to echo yourself back to you, your primary reason for trying to be on book as much as possible when it comes to the rules is because you don't think you really know the depth of game balance that might be thrown out of whack by even a smallest change that doesn't seem to really affect much. So that is why typically I will try when running monsters, especially to not, uh, play around with what they've already said there and and i'm not even talking about like home i'm talking i'm not talking about pre-written modules i'm talking about a monster stat block it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's homebrew or not there's a reason that the game mechanics have been built a certain way and i i think that you should stick to those i think that doing separate targets i here, here's what i would say i would say you know like if you want to attack the same target fine but take the map 
You know what I mean? Like roll for yeah, it, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to split your targets, just attack twice and split your targets, but take the map, you know, it's, it's the two attacks at the highest bonus against one creature. The highest bonus for most monsters against us, especially when it's a smaller number of monsters is very, very likely to hit almost certainly going to hit. Yeah. And, and it could very well crit on not a natural 20. So to do that twice in a row can be devastating. And, uh, maybe that's why they, they brewed it into the game that way. That you said, know, I think that there is, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's not that I see it and just say, nah, I don't like that and do it. Like I realize it after, because to me, that's like, that's kind of the same as fudging dice. It's basically in the same ballpark as fudging dice. The rule says this, but yeah, uh, I realize it after the fact, either during the episode or usually after the episode's recorded. And I'm like, I don't care about that. Does, does that make sense? It's kind of like, eh, yeah, who cares? But like, Obviously, I think yeah, if I had read it, I would have done it correctly. You, maybe it's who cares if you killed a character, you know, with, sure, with sure, two sure, consecutive sure. crits. You know what I mean? That like yeah. you rolled a natural 19 and a natural 18 and you crit twice. You didn't even roll a natural 20 and you killed a character um, because you did the rule wrong. That would suck. But yeah, for sure. yeah generally speaking, I, I think that looking back, I'd be like, ah, you know, it's it's not a big deal. To me, it's just more interesting than anything because I, I always want to get to the core of the game design and, yeah. and, and, and be curious like, well, what, you know, what is behind, what is the thought behind this game design? And I, I like that idea that the thought, generally speaking, is if you aren't going to take the map, then putting that on one target, I'm sure in playtesting has resulted in just too much of a wild swing, so to speak in in terms of damage output in a single round to a single character um so yeah i I don't know it's it is interesting but i will say that there are changes that i like now i have not run a game like pathfinder in a long time i've been running other games for a while now and to run a game like pathfinder where you have these stat blocks and obviously very clear rules that a lot of people know and but that also has a breadth of rules that are impossible to fully always know it it would be exhausting to me to see that decide to make that change for narrative reasons because I know I'm not going to kill a character and I know it's going to be fun and and keep people on their toes and then to have somebody correct me on air <laughs> you know like I, that would irritate me so I, I I will say that I get that uh, that like wanting to make those little bob and weaves as a GM and then have somebody put a microscope over it and then tell you and I'm not talking about people writing in yeah. or doing that on a forum I'm talking about me doing it to you on a show it, that would be kind of exhausting because you might be like yeah I wanted to do it that time but you also don't you shouldn't have to pull back the the GM screen that clearly for that kind of stuff so yeah I'd say m- most of the time when I see I get a rule wrong I'm like that damn it I missed that. Fuck. All right. I'll, I'll learn for next time. But sometimes I see it. I'm like, that road's stupid. I don't like it. I'm glad I missed yeah. it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I agree with you. I, I definitely do do that sometimes. Um, but, but I mean, this, yeah, this is why, and you know, GCP 2.0, I don't want to talk too much about it because it just makes people angry. But like, I, I, I do want to make that happen and, and have every, every intention to because I can't wait to play something that no one knows. And I'm going to try with Gatewalkers to, to bob and weave and 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 there'll be plen- plenty of opportunities for that but man it's going to be it's going to be so nice to play something that literally no one but the writers and I uh know um and that we completely own is obviously awesome as well and that's the reason like when I mentioned like making our own game whether I do that or not because I know this is always a topic of conversation um uh on the discord and on the boards whether I do that or not uh for GCP 2.0 or the future the whole reason to do it 
isn't because like we don't like Pathfinder or like we don't uh, appreciate that. It's like owning your own IP is is the most important thing as a growing business. And, you know, there's so little opportunity to do that when we're playing so many other people's games. If we have an opportunity to do that, I mean, that is that is clutch. Like, we have a great relationship with Paizo now. But let's just say down the line, like, Paizo gets sold. And then they're like, well, what's going on with the Glass Cannon podcast here? No, no, we got to start charging them. Uh, all this stuff, like... Thank God we have our own system that we're playing. You know what I mean? I'm just, I think you have to think about like worst case scenarios. We wouldn't be creating a new system because I think I'm better than the fucking writers at Paizo. We'd be doing it because ownership. I know you're clutch. Like for sure. Well, I wouldn't be doing it by myself. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's about owning your own stuff. That is, that's what's important. Otherwise you're always, you're always going to be hitched to other companies, which can be great as well. If you have great relationships, which we do, but you have to protect against worst case scenarios. And, uh, and it'd be interesting. Um, I'll take this opportunity to say this is probably like a longer uh, treatise another time, but I'm going to take this opportunity to say that we're a few years in now, and I'm regularly playing now. I've pivoted to playing more 2E than 1E, but I am still dabbling in 1E. And then I've got, you know, through Legacy of the Ancients, and then I've got multiple regular 2E games going on. And I definitely like 2E better. You do. It's official. 100%. All, all I think about now is in 2E. Like, He's I just think of everything in the free. I just needed a lot of time to sink into it, you know what I mean? And it's just it's just a really fun, mechanic, mechanically designed game, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, every day we play it, I enjoy it more and more. Um, and, and, and it also is nice to, like, get better at it. Something's more enjoyable when you... And you know how to know what the hell you're doing. And uh, we're, we're slowly <laughs> yes, but surely exactly. getting there. Yeah. Speaking of knowing what the hell you're doing, we uh, every week when, when we can, uh, we try to jam in a little. We are stupid uh, just so that everybody can learn to eat along with us as we work our way through SideQuest Side Sesh. And Professor Eric is always there to help us out. Uh, since episode five of season two was primarily role play, there was no really rules uh, to shine a light on. But Professor Eric wanted us to... Get his rundown from his mind on the sleep spell because we had kind of bantered about it and it had come up in the previous episode. And so let me just give you his quick rundown of the difference between sleep in 2E versus 1E. First of all, right out of the gate, the 2E version, quote, is significantly weaker in combat than the 1E version. First of all, you you are unconscious. However, you don't fall prone and don't release what you're holding in your hands. So that's a huge <laughs> first step. You just sort of like doze for a second there, uh, the way Matthew does sometimes, like on screen when we're going too long, uh, right? You know, standing on his feet. Um, other creatures can wake you up, obviously, within or in an, with an interact action. But you can also you also get a free perception check. If there's any noise going on around you. So at the start of your turn, it's free and the DC is typically very low because of how loud combat is. And so you almost certainly will wake up. You uh, you wake up when you take damage. You wake up if you're uh, if a ally takes an interact action to wake you up. You wake up if you get healing. Uh, you know what I mean? There's all these different factors by which you wake up. So it's. It's really, it's really hard to use in combat. Even on a fail or a crit fail, you fall asleep standing up with your weapons in hand. And so when your turn starts, you get a free perception check. It's basically like you're going to lose no actions uh, on that spell. But that's level one. Also heightened to level two or three. 
pretty much. And and Professor Eric says this is ex- pretty much exclusively a non-combat spell. It is useful for infiltration and for stealth. If you're trying to sneak into a place uh, and there's a guard there, put the guard to sleep and then sneak by. Great. In which case, the free perception check does come up, and it's against the stealth DC of those that are going by. Mm-hmm. Or I guess if you were a GM, what I would probably do is do uh, opposing checks. I think that would be more interesting. Or against a perception DC, right? Their stealth roll against his perception DC or her perception DC, whatever character is asleep. The fourth level heightened version does not get perception checks to wake up and you fall prone and you drop anything you're holding. So as it levels up, it becomes combat viable, but the early versions are not combat viable. Yeah. And if you're a much more powerful sp- spellcaster than the players, so usually this would probably happen in boss encounters, uh, your DCs are going to be higher and a crit fail on a heightened fourth. You're asleep for a minute, not a round. Uh, so it makes it a lot more viable in combat for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah. 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 And it has the incapacitate trait, right? So, uh, doesn't sleep, it? yes, it does. Yeah. So you would pretty much have to be, it have to be a boss fight for you to really be damaged by that, by that, uh, spell. Um, so it's good to know. Uh, and it's interesting. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that it's great from a, um, uh, you know, Skid is always talking about <laughs> bringing more kind of, logical reality Realism. into these things despite <laughs> its its fantasy nature yeah and if you were magically asleep and it's all of this screaming combat happening around you uh it'd have to be a pretty powerful spell for you to just completely snooze through all that if the magical sleep really was just sleep and wasn't like magically putting you unconscious to a point of like uh you know well and they and it does that at higher levels but at the at the early levels it's mostly a non-combat spell so i mean one of the best changes from 1e to 2e is the way that the spells have been sort of reinvented and that the spells have from the ground up yeah varying levels of power so it still retains some 1e stuff but like the best and worst parts have now been pulled into heightened and and not heightened it's it's really really cool and and i I, every day we play i see a new spell that i'm like god that's so brilliant the way they took the 1e spell and translated it to here and now it has it just has so much more versatility and options really really cool yeah. Do you remember in our Jade Regent game, uh, Land Keith, our good buddy Drew? How could I forget old Land when Keith? He, when he would evil eye people with the high level witch, evil eye, and then sleep hex. I mean, in Jade Regent. Our yeah, Jade in Jade Regent. Game. And yeah. he had the, I can't remember the feat, but it's like the, the something, it's where you can do it a second time if somebody even succeeded. Usually they're immune to it for 24 hours, but he had a feat where like once a day or something, he can make somebody Gormley re- had it, I feel like. Or What's maybe that? it's a higher level thing, but I yeah, it's it allows- a greater hex. Uh, anyway, it, it was it just might a be feat. a greater hex or, or some sort of feat that allows you to, if a, if a hex fails or even succeeds, you can use it again. I and can he would use do it that. Again. He would just put you to sleep constantly. And you it guys was infiltrated brutal. this like uh, Yeti. Uh, like society and there were all these like fucking badass yetis and he hexed so many of them to sleep <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna lie I fudged a couple of those I'm like I'm tired of you putting them to sleep <laughs> he attacks you <laughs> so funny yeah no I, I love the way that they're doing it I will say as Atticus in Strange Aeons we're now what ninth level something like that and that has been really fun to um I honestly did not fully explore and, and really, really understand the power of heightening um, until the last like three months. Honestly, it's been like the last three months that I really as I got fifth level spells and really started to say, 
well, what happened? I just was, I would take my fifth level spells. I'd be like, all right, I got Kona cold and I've got, uh, what's the illusion spell? It's, it's, it's not, um, phantasmal killer. I can't remember what it is. I have some illusion spell that's, mm-hmm. uh, oh, it's the reaction to, uh, the shadow siphon where I can half the damage from a, right. from a certain thing. I'm like, uh, Kona cold is awesome and everything, but it can be not combat viable sometimes when you are a backline caster because your allies right away, they get up in the mix of it. And a 60 foot cone is always almost always going to include your allies. And if it doesn't, you're probably only clipping one or two enemies. So it, unless you get a really good initiative, it's not really going to be that viable. So let me look at this. What does a magic missile look like heightened to fifth level? <laughs> it is a guaranteed hit 9d4 plus 9 at that at that level if you take the three action version. Awesome. So minimum 18 damage. Minimum 18 damage guaranteed. Uh, you know, guaranteed hit. It's just really fun to experiment with that kind of stuff. Lightning bolt. Like I was so excited to get that. I think it's third level. I never thought about heightening it to fourth level or fifth level. And I started doing that too. And when I'm ready, when I'm uh, preparing now to go into combat, when I know it's going to be combat, I just, now I can just do all blaster stuff. And I didn't have to take a different spell at fifth level. That's, you know, just preparing it. I just prepared it in that slot. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Like Sydney just started to wrap her head around heightened. Do you guys remember you guys talking? Heightened heal. She had never heightened heal. She thought it was a first level spell and that was it. Yeah, it takes Huge a while because it's, it's just such a it's a real new mechanic to us, even though yeah. we've been playing this for a few years. But, dude, what a difference. Minimum 18 damage now. Anytime you catch me saying, like, looks like he's on his last legs, there's no other reason not to just take him out because I especially can't be like, because oh, he had 19 hit points. And that's minimum 18. You're going to take him out. Right. Especially because I've been rolling lately, like, let's take the uh, stupefied condition out of it. Plus 17-ish is my spell attack roll, you know? And you are pretty much always at 31 or higher on ACs now. And so that means I've got to roll natty 14s, natty 15s, and up in order to hit you. You know, it's it's no joke. So I'm like, am I going to waste a spell slot and have to roll a natty 14 or higher or just guaranteed 94 plus 9 damage? That's just, it's awesome and just really fun to have that option if, if if you need it. It's so funny you said that. So what I haven't really looked at yet is the beginning of the conversion of book four of Strange Aeons. And you just said, your AC is already like 31, 32. I'm like, hmm, I wonder how that's carried over because book four is not uh, is not book three. It is very, very different. So I'm looking right now at what the ACs are for the uh, sort of opening possible encounters of book four. And all I'll say is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dirty player, Lavalle. We you got just- Luis Loza doing the conversion for book four. Uh, and he's a beast. A beast. <laughs> so exciting. So exciting. Is he going to be a PAX Unplugged or a Gen Con? He'll be at Gen Con, right? He'll we'll be see at Gen, Gen Con. Con. Yeah, we got we to gotta hang out. He's a good dude. He came to our Christmas party. And uh, I, I, was, I was just sitting at the bar. I'm like, I'm going to hold court here because I don't feel like moving about. And him and I talked for, God, about a half an hour. I was just, I don't even know what the hell we talked about. I was, I was drinking. <laughs> well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the fight. Long fod today, juicy fod. But I mean, I we know. had a lot going on. You know, we got it's a lot like going on. A lot of yeah. stuff. 
But uh, really fun times. Looking forward to a hell of a week coming up. We got SideQuest Side Chess Episode 6 comes out tomorrow night. You got Haunted City tonight. Tonight. Uh, Haunted City tonight. Followed by the Donjon. Yeah, and then next week, get ready for five straight nights of streaming. From RuneQuest to Get in the Trunk to Haunted City to SideQuest to Vast Grim. Every night of the week, we got you covered on on Twitch.tv slash TheGlassCannon. So come hang out. Uh, Until then, take it easy, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Folks, work hard. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.